Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. It is the first week of Lent, and this is episode number 134. I'm glad you could be with me today. I am your host, Rick Lee James. You can follow me on Twitter, at Rick Lee James. That's my username there, so please feel free to do that. I'm actually fasting from Facebook for Lent, so uh, so don't even worry about until Easter gets here, uh, finding me there, because you won't be able to find me. But if you want to send me a message, you can do that. We have had some feedback this week, and I'm very grateful. Last week on the show, I said that we haven't had a lot of feedback lately, and I just like some direction to know what kind of topics you would like to be hearing more about. And uh, very grateful. Uh, I'm just going to read one email I got this week from Richard Wallace. Uh, Richard says that uh, he just heard the latest podcast, and I mentioned. <clears throat> Let me just read it so it's not going to be confusing that way. But he said, just heard your latest podcast. You mentioned that you do not get a lot of feedback, so here is mine. I started listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago at work. The first couple I listened to were on songwriting for the church, worship band, workshop, and the worship team. I have enjoyed listening to all of your podcasts. However, I would like to hear more regarding leading worship. I play guitar and have an opportunity to preach as well as lead worship at a state park this summer. I need all the help I can get. Uh, but I think you're doing a great job, and I will continue to listen, so keep it up, Richard Wallace. And uh, Richard, I want to thank you uh, so much for that feedback. It really helps a lot, and I am going to plan very soon uh, to be addressing some more worship leader-type training things in the very near future. Um, so uh, if you have any more feedback like that, listeners, I would love to hear it, because I want to know what direction you'd like me to take the show in. Last week was uh, my show from Kansas City on the Psalms, and I hope that was helpful to worship leaders as well. And um, and so very soon we're going to be getting into that. Uh, let me give you a quick announcement on March 9th. I don't know exactly which day it'll come out, uh, actually on the podcast, probably the 10th or 11th. But on March 9th, Andrew Peterson, one of my very favorite singers and songwriters, and he's a Christie award-winning author of the Wingfeather Saga. He's going to be joining us again on the Voices in My Head podcast because we're going to be talking talking about his 2007 album release, Resurrection Letters, Volume 2. And you may be wondering, why are you highlighting a 2007 album? Well, that actually has to do a lot with facilitating things for worship leaders for Easter. And uh, not just Easter, but it's a really cool album that Andrew wrote and, uh, and released a few years back. And it has a lot to do, not so much with the Easter event as far as resurrection, but the songs and the stories that are being told in the songs really have a lot to do with what the resurrection means in the life of believers on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm really excited to get to have Andrew Peterson on the show again. Um, you can write in any questions or comments for Andrew Peterson you would like. Uh, you can just send them to this email address, voicesinrickshead at gmail.com. Voicesinrickshead at gmail.com. 
gmail.com. So if you have any questions or comments for Andrew, or maybe if you just want to share some stories about what the resurrection of Jesus has meant in your life, if we have a chance, we'll be able to share those stories on the air. I'm really looking forward to that episode. So uh, so keep us in mind if you have uh, something that you would like to ask Andrew Peterson, uh, a question or a comment, anything in that way. We want to make sure that uh, your voice is heard on that show. Well, let's get right into our episode today. We are in the season of Lent, and uh, as probably most everybody knows that's listening to this show, but just in case you don't, um, Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the season of Lent. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't know what the season of Lent was. It's spelled L-E-N-T, and it was just something that was kind of foreign to me. It wasn't something that, at that time anyway, uh, the denomination I was a part of really celebrated that much. That has changed. And we are thankful to say, uh, getting back in line with our church history, and what I mean by our church history, I mean is the ancient early church, and we're becoming more uh, table-centered, and uh, so I really appreciate that. Uh, But Ash Wednesday was this past week, at least at the time of recording. It's Thursday night for me right now. Um, But the season of Lent then began, and the season of Lent is a season of repentance, it's a season of reflection, it's a season of fasting, Um, and all these things prepare us for Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday, um, through which we attain redemption. It's similar in some ways to the season of Advent, the beginning of the church year, um, where that season is all about preparing the way of the Lord, being prepared for the second coming of Christ. Uh, Lent is about being prepared to walk the journey with Jesus to the cross and then to be able to celebrate the resurrection more fully. And we have a lot of emphasis on things like fasting, um, not for the purpose of, you know, like if you fast food, it, it's not for the purpose of losing weight or anything like that. It's for the purpose of drawing close to God. Uh, I'm doing a Facebook fast, as I mentioned before, and it's not because those relationships on Facebook are any lesser to me, but I just want to be more present to God. I can waste a lot of time on Facebook, and those of you that follow me on Facebook probably see that I waste too much time on there, um, reading things and posting silly things and uh, trying to put things out about my music ministry. And so I wanted to kind of just focus in on what's really important and and what God wants me uh, to be listening for. So part of that is to get rid of Facebook for the season of Lent. And I'll look forward to uh, picking up with those relationships on there when I get back. But as I was thinking about this week's episode and what I wanted to try to do, um, the book that I just wrote an essay for, uh, Renovating Holiness uh, Through the Church of the Nazarene, that this book has been this book has been published recently, and those of you that heard the episode a couple weeks ago know that we went into a lot of depth uh, with one of the editors, Josh Brower. Uh, but my essay in particular that I wrote is about um, something very relevant to Lent. Uh, the title, um, I, I hope you'll understand it when I read the title to you. It's how the monastic tradition informs our discussion of sanctification. And um, I know that title may be confusing to some of you who are listening, and I promise you that the essay um, is probably, is well, I just promise you it's going to make more sense maybe than the title is if you're not familiar with some of those churchy words like monasticism or sanctification and things like that. But I thought what I would do this week is, uh, since this is my essay and, uh, you know, 
know, I, I own it and all that, even though it's published in a book, uh, I'm going to read it because it has a lot to do with the idea of why we're fasting in the season of Lent. And I thought this might be a good way on the podcast for us to kick off the season of Lent. So if you will indulge me, um, I would ask you to, to use the words of Michael Card, open your ear lids. And listen closely to what I think the Lord may want to be speaking to you through this essay. Uh, I feel really good about this one. I'm not trying to brag about it. I just I worked hard on it, went through several drafts, and um, had some good people like Ben DeBono, uh, who's been on the show before and actually was the editor, one of the editors of my book, um, go over this essay with me a few times and gave me some tough love about it until we got it worked to where I think it's a good essay. And I hope it'll be helpful to you. So here is my essay. It's, it's only a few pages long from the book Renovating Holiness, which is now available through Sacred Sage Press. You can get it on Amazon. You can order the physical book. You can get it in Kindle version. And I do recommend that you get it. It's written by over 130 different writers from all around the world, from the Church of the Nazarene, the denomination that I am an ordained minister in. So, without any further hesitation, here's my essay, How the Monastic Tradition Informs Our Discussion of Sanctification, by Rick Lee James. Hey, that's me. Most of us are pretty far removed from anything resembling monasticism in our culture. After all, monasticism is a form of religious life characterized by abstinence from various worldly pleasures. Our world doesn't abstain from much of anything. The majority of us indulge in the, fattest, uh, the fastest and fattest foods we can find. We pay top dollar to have the fastest internet providers bring information into our homes at lightning speeds. We strive to have the best that we can possibly afford, and if we can't afford it, we simply use credit cards. We don't do very well at abstaining from anything. Many of our churches have become proponents of this American gospel of extravagance with megachurch pastors preaching a gospel of wealth and health. Most of us can't even abstain from coffee for the hour it takes to hold a worship gathering, so we accommodate by building Starbucks-style coffee shops right into our houses of worship. Over the centuries of church history, we have seen our houses of worship change from holy places of reverence to casual, non-offensive, concert-style community centers where God is there to high-five us and help us to indulge in our appetites. Even God wants us to have it all right now. No longer do we have to wait upon the Lord. He comes to us riding on delay-filled dotted eighth notes from loud electric guitars soaring in the flashing lights and projected on video screens. It seems no pleasure is off-limit in our American landscape. The gospel of America virtually makes it a sin to abstain from our desires. We want our best life, and we want it now. We are free in this land, free to do whatever we want, free to be ourselves no matter what it costs anyone else. If there is a law blocking what we desire, then it's our right to have those laws repealed. Whatever it takes to have the best high, the wildest sex, and the biggest guns, then that's the price that must be paid. This is what's so revolutionary about monasticism in the midst of a culture that has forgotten how to wait. The life of a monk is characterized by vows of celibacy, poverty, silence, and obedience. A person who lives a monastic lifestyle is noticeably set apart from the rest of the world by the way they live and interact with it. 
Monks weren't born monks. They had a choice to follow the call of the world or the call of God, and they chose God. For the sake of knowing Christ, they've forsaken everything to follow the call of Jesus. Monasticism doesn't just happen. It's a discipline that has to be learned and embraced. I've always been told that a person is set apart for Christ not by the things they won't do, but by the things they will do. Monastics are actually set apart for both reasons. What makes monastics different is both their willingness not to participate in the capitalistic machine and their willingness to embrace the spiritual disciplines of the ancient faith. Remember, by the way, that the goal for a monastic is to become a saint. One of the most well-known and highly regarded monastics of the 20th century is Thomas Merton. In addition, <clears throat> sorry, in addition to being a Trappist monk who resided at the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky, Merton was also a writer, an ordained priest, a poet, a social activist, and a student of comparative religions. His classic book, Life and Holiness, was a guide for monastics and laity on incorporating holiness into everyday life while facing the worries and frustrations of the modern age. Merton writes, The final step on the way to holiness in Christ is then to completely abandon ourselves with confident joy to the apparent madness of the cross. This madness means a kind of death to our temporal selves. It is a twisting, a letting go, an act of total abandonment. But it is also a final breakthrough into joy. The ability to make this act, to let go, to plunge into our own emptiness and there find the freedom of Christ in all fullness, this is inaccessible to all our merely human efforts and plans. We cannot do it by relaxing or by striving, by thinking or not thinking, by acting or not acting. The only answer is perfect faith, exultant hope, transformed by a completely spiritual love of Christ. This is a pure gift of His, but we can dispose of ourselves, we can dispose ourselves to receive it by fortitude, humility, patience, and above all, by simple fidelity to His will in every circumstance of our ordinary life. Burton's final sense sentence in the above quote could have been written by any one of our Church of the Nazarene theologians as a way of describing the work of entire sanctification in the life of a believer. They believe, like Merton, that perfect faith can only happen in cooperation with the transforming love of Christ and the Holy Spirit. When Merton is instructing his fellow monks in the way of attaining holiness in this life, it's clear that it can only be done in and through the living Lord. When members of the Church of the Nazarene talk about being free from original sin, we aren't saying that we no longer have the capacity to sin. We are saying that in Christ, and only in Christ, we have the freedom to do what is right. A life marked by holiness is not a life that can't sin, but a life in a state of choosing not to sin. Holiness is the infilling work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. It's what allows us to do the impossible in our culture and live holy lives without having to move into a monastery. Holiness is not given as a reward for waiting upon God. Rather, it is the presence of Christ in us, helping us to overcome. 
Members of the Church of the Nazarene and monastics have a common heritage of holiness. Both the sanctified monk and the sanctified Nazarene have an unquenchable passion to be faithful to God in every circumstance of life. We both have a desire to wait upon the Lord, laying aside whatever things may hinder us from pleasing Him. We both believe that dying daily to ourselves by denying many of our natural desires is a path that will lead us to joy. We both believe that total abandonment is the result and the path, the result of and the path to holiness. When Merton speaks to his fellow monastics of abandoning self to the cross, he's speaking of total surrender of lives to Christ. Surrender will not make us holy. Only God can do that. But surrender puts us into a place where holiness can be more fully received. Monastics are people who are willing to take up their cross, abandon their lives, and follow Jesus. From what I've seen as a lifelong member of the Church of the Nazarene, many of our people are willing to do the same. Whether you call it Christian perfection, entire sanctification, or monastic holiness, I believe we are speaking of the same thing. From the Catholic scholar Thomas Aquinas to John Wesley, the greatest evidence of holiness was a life that had been changed. Both Nazarenes and monastics agree that human beings are a canvas upon which God is creating his masterpiece. God is the master artist who can bring even the most tattered canvas to life. Holiness seems to be the paint God uses to make the human canvas into a work of art. When we see a human lay down his life to seek the good of others, we see the hand of the master artist, the painter of holiness, at work. Monastics understand that holiness, like good art, takes time. This is why the monastery is such a helpful center for so many on their quest for holiness. It allows the time and space to wait upon the Lord with others who share the common goal of becoming saints. Likewise, members of the Church of the Nazarene are coming to understand that holiness is an ongoing work in the life of the believer. It may start with total surrender to God, but that's only the start. The way of the cross, the path of surrender, seems to be the way that God chooses to cleanse the canvas for the work of art he has prepared. At the point of total surrender, the master artist has only begun laying his first brushstrokes upon the canvas. The masterpiece will take a lifetime to perfect. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Again, that is from the book Renovating Holiness. Uh, that is an essay that I wrote for that book. Uh, every essay in the book I, I really enjoyed, and uh, I, I, I'm probably going to read it again several times, um, probably teach some classes using some of them. It's just great material, so if you have a chance to pick up Renovating Holiness, the editors are Josh Broward and Thomas J. Ord, and uh, the book is available on Kindle. It's available through Amazon. Uh, you can go to renovatingholiness.com and buy a book straight from the publisher there. You can even buy bulk copies for your churches or for your study groups, things like that. Um, I hope that you uh, have been able to use just that short snippet from the book as a way of uh, understanding what Lent is about and why we fast at Lent. Um, it's not that fasting from things is going to make us any more holy, but it's the idea that maybe if we can remove a few distractions from our life, 
Maybe if we can seek to be a little more dependent upon God, maybe the conditions will become better uh, for God to be able to paint his masterpiece upon us. Maybe we can become more receptive to it. Uh, God's holiness is something that he bestows, that he gives to his people, uh, but we pray that we would make the conditions right uh, for him to be able to bestow it upon us. And um, since we're talking earlier and, and Richard had that email about worship leading, I'll tell you this. Um, as a worship leader myself, one of the main tasks that I always try to do, I'm not always successful, but it's my goal, is I want to simplify things as much as possible so that I can remove distractions. Um, I think sometimes we've gotten in our mind that everything has to be so overblown in order for it to be worship, but at times I think the best thing we can do is remove distractions. If there's something that's just not working, maybe it's time to just take it out if there's something in the song you're playing and too many instruments are going maybe the organ's revving up too loud or maybe that electric guitar part's just not working just maybe say hey you know what we're just going to pare this down this week um i feel like we're not quite ready and i'm afraid we're going to be a distraction more than a help um maybe it goes for the the guys at the soundboard uh they they need to be figuring out for themselves what needs to come up what needs to go down the house and um you know, it's just a good question to ask, how can I remove distractions? And so since we're in the season of Lent, maybe that should sort of be, sort of be our heartbeat. Um, what can I do to remove distractions? Um, what can I take out of the way so that not only can we have um, a more fertile ground for God to be able to plant among us, uh, but how can we help others to reach that place as well? How can we, we remove distractions for them? So one of the best things to think about when you're worship leading, when you're preaching, when you're an usher, when you're a sound guy, when you're a Sunday school teacher, when you're a person in the congregation, uh, you got to ask yourself, what's the best way to remove distractions so that we can more clearly hear from God together? And uh, so here we are in the season of Lent. If we're fasting, we're removing those distractions. And uh, we're hopefully allowing the soil to be fertile. And we've pulled out weeds, so to speak, so that what God has planted in us can begin to grow and come to fruition in us. So may the Lord be with you in this holy season of Lent, and uh, I hope that you truly are, are seeking him. I hope that you find him to be um, very, very near to you in this time. Uh, and for these six weeks, um, I pray that together we could, uh, could come to know what it means to be crucified with Christ so that we can rejoice all the more on Easter Sunday together. Well, it's evening right now, and... Um, I'm going to go to bed soon, so I want to just close out the podcast now, but I think before I do, I'm, I'm going to close with a prayer. I've been using a prayer rule uh, that I got from our, our brothers and sisters in the Orthodox Church. I'll just close the episode with this tonight. Um, this is uh, the evening prayer uh, in, in the, a rule of prayer from the Orthodox Church. O Lord God our Father, if during this day I have sinned in word, deed, or thought, forgive me in your goodness and love. Grant me peaceful sleep, protect me from all evil, and wake me in the morning that I may glorify you, your Son and your Holy Spirit, now and forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Keep those comments coming. 
You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.